0: Welcome to the Truth Be Known podcast, bringing you the objective truth boldly, candidly and without apology. Welcome to this week's episode. Well, welcome back to another episode of the truth be known podcast i'm nathaniel jolly and uh this week ecky is uh not with us he's taking a much needed and very short uh break this week but uh filling in for ecky we have a very dear friend and special guest mr justin peters justin thank you brother so much for coming on it's really good to have you
1: nathaniel it is an honor to be with you brother thank you for the invitation
0: Well, uh, uh, Justin, we've got a very interesting topic today, um, and I kind of roped you in really sort of the last minute, so thanks for doing that. Um, uh, The last, I don't know, maybe several episodes, Eki and I have been talking about um, a theology of suffering, and I've brought that term up several times, and I thought it would be good just to kind of explain to people what i mean and to to go to the scripture and uh, maybe just kind of dive in a little bit and compare what the bible has to say about suffering um to what much of western christianity believes about suffering and i'm pretty sure we're going to find a significant difference between those two things um and i think
1: yeah indeed jump in there brother Oh no! I was just going to say, yeah, indeed, that there is a, a, a glaring lack of, I would say, two real things in in the American evangelicalism today is a, a theology of holiness mm. and a theology of suffering. Uh, but um, suffering is just uh, very few churches equip their saints, equip the people to suffer in a godly way, to suffer in a way that glorifies Christ and ends in their sanctification, uh, that's almost unheard of in churches today, sadly, because it is, a, it is a very important part of the Christian's life, very important part.
0: Yeah, and really, those two things do go hand-in-hand, hand, holiness and suffering, and, and we'll get to that, uh, I'm pretty sure, in the next little bit here, but it, you know why a lot of churches aren't equipped to deal with that is really because, you know, it's not popular, What's not popular is to put on your front sign on the church, uh, "Join us and suffer with us Sunday morning for Jesus." That is not a popular message. It doesn't draw crowds, you
1: know. That's not a that's not going to draw a crowd. No, no, <laughs> no. I, I spoke at a conference a few years ago, uh, and it was a it was a conference on suffering, and and there weren't a whole lot of people there. Uh, we kind of jokingly referred to it as SufferCon instead of. Shepcon, Suffercon, but um, yeah, it's, it's not going to draw a crowd, uh, which that in and of itself is a reflection or shows you how poorly taught mm-hmm. the vast majority of evangelicals are out there, because um, that is a conference that I would want to attend, because I, we all suffer, right? It's part of living in a fallen world. It's inevitable. You're not going to avoid it. It's, it's a part of life. And so, given that, then we need to know how to suffer in a godly way. We need to know how to deal with suffering. What do we do with it? How do we endure it? Mm -hmm. Uh, What's the purpose of it? Uh, These are vitally important questions for us, both in just a practical sense and in our our sanctification. You cannot progress in your sanctification without a healthy understanding of suffering. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. And, you know, beyond the fact that we do all suffer, we are actually called to suffering as Christians. And I think, you know, I want to start with, you know, maybe the most important verse that I'm, I'm going to read uh, during this podcast. You go to Matthew 16, 24, 27, and it's Jesus speaking to his disciples, right? And what does he say? Um, he says, if anyone wants to come after me, um, he must speak lots of positive things and live his best life now, right? No, that, that's not what he says, right? Uh, it's, is it, yeah, the Joel Osteen gospel. But Christ tells his disciples, he says, if anyone wants to come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. And uh, there are just a lot of good key components in there. I mean, denying yourself, for one, is a form of suffering. Taking up the cross—I don't know that we really understand what that means, right? To take up the cross means to be at enmity with the world. Um, it means you're going to suffer. Look at the cross of Christ. Look at what um, how He suffered on the cross. And here Jesus is really calling us to join in His suffering. Uh, and I don't know that we read that verse that way, really, as Western Christians. We certainly don't contemplate. The reality of what's being said to us, I don't think.
1: Yeah, no, we really don't. In fact, um, it's funny you should mention that, uh, in taking up the cross, because I've had a few people over the years come up to me, and um, well-intentioned, but very misguided in their understanding of Scripture, but they'll say, Justin, you bear your cross well, referring to my cerebral palsy, but my cerebral palsy is not a cross, Um, losing your job is not a cross. Cancer is not a cross. Are these trials? Yes, they are trials, but they're not crosses. When Jesus said take up the cross 2,000 years ago, people knew what he meant because they had seen crosses in action. They knew what a cross was. A cross was a place of death. It was an instrument of execution. And that is intricately tied to denying yourself, deny yourself, and take up your cross. You must be willing to die to yourself and possibly even give your life for the gospel uh, if called upon to do so. Uh, the, the call of the Christian life is not one of ease and enjoyment. It's, it's a call to suffer. It's a call to suffer for the glory of Christ.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, and so really that call in Matthew, I, I mean, Jesus is effectively saying, come, and and suffer with me, right? I mean that that's the call. Come and suffer with me, and then you go to Luke fourteen twenty seven, and it says, "Whoever does not carry his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple." Now, yes. that that's significant for much of Western Christianity, because I can just tell you right now, um, folks, that if they were listening and they were followers of Joel Osteen, they do not know such a cross. They do not know such a Jesus, right, as right. the Jesus who calls them to come and suffer. And Jesus says, unless you're willing to do that, right, then then you can't be my disciple. And so this should be the expectation.
1: Yes, absolutely. We, we, we should expect to suffer. Um, yeah, Joel Osteen's Jesus is a different Jesus than the Jesus of the Bible. He preaches a different Jesus. Oh, so he'll use the name Jesus but it's a different Jesus than the Jesus of the Bible. And any Jesus that people are going to, whether it's like Joel Osteen or some of the more hardcore word faith preachers like Kenneth Copeland, Benny Hinn, Joyce Meyer, that, you know, come to Jesus because he'll make you wealthy, he'll heal your body. Uh, In fact, Jesus basically is there, he exists to give you a better life, to give you um, a more comfortable life. That's not the Jesus of the Bible. So, people are responding to a different Jesus and a different gospel.
0: Yeah, and, and you know, that's, you know, for the guys that listen to us, I think a lot of people who listen to our podcast, they're in our kind of, you know, reformed Calvinistic circles, and they're thinking, well, you know, yeah, Joel Osteen is a heretic, um, you know, we don't listen to him, don't buy into that. But I think even a lot of guys in our own circles, um, one, don't suffer well, and two, probably many still think that it's not God's will for them to suffer, um, right and so we still kind of get into the mindset of well you know all suffering is bad uh, we want to alleviate all suffering uh, which is very interesting because you go to romans 8 18 and paul says for i consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed to us in 2 corinthians 4 17 he says for our momentary Light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. Paul had a very different view of suffering.
1: Yeah, he did. A, a very different view. He viewed suffering. In fact, I'll tell you how he viewed suffering, Nathaniel. He viewed suffering as a privilege. As a privilege because Philippians chapter 1, 29, 1 verse 29, Paul says, for to you it has been granted not only to believe in Christ but to suffer for his sake. Wow. What? Yeah. It's Wait, say that again. It's been granted to suffer? It's it's a it's a privilege. I mean, how how many evangelical Christians think of suffering in those terms? Wow, suffering is a, is is a privilege for me. It's something that has been granted to me just as my faith has been granted to me. Well, yeah, that's right. It's something that has been granted to you. Faith has been granted to you. The ability to believe in Christ has been granted to you. Repentance has been granted to you. And the privilege of suffering has been granted to you. Because oftentimes it is, it is not when things are going well that God is most glorified in us. Not when, our, not when there's plenty of money in the bank. When our bodies are working and running at a, you know like a sewing machine and everything's good and everybody loves us and the dog loves us and sunshine lollipops and unicorns everywhere, sometimes God is most glorified in us when we suffer, mm. uh, when we are persecuted. And Paul wrote to Timothy, Second Timothy three thirteen. Uh, he said, "It is." Um, all who live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, not may be persecuted, will be persecuted. So, if, if you have never been persecuted, if you never have experienced at least some soft persecution, then you're not living godly in Christ Jesus. There's no exception clauses to that unless you live in the United States of America or unless you live in a Western country. You know, the only time you'll be persecuted is if you live in syria or north korea it doesn't say that if you're living a godly life in christ jesus you will be persecuted And if you've never been persecuted at least soft persecution i'm not necessarily talking about bamboo shoots stuck up your fingernails but if you've never experienced some soft persecution then you're not living godly in christ jesus that's all there is to it yeah and in the the call to and some will say well what about John ten ten? Jesus says, "I have come that you may have life and have it more abundantly." Well, Jesus wants us to have the abundant life. He wants us to have nice things. He wants us to have, um, you know, plenty of money and a nice place, a nice car, a nice you know the the abundant life. Well, okay. So, were were the apostles having an abundant life? Was Peter having an abundant life? when he was crucified upside down yes he was yep yes he was was paul having an abundant life when uh he was in fact i have in front of me second corinthians chapter 11 23 through 28 paul says are they ministers of christ i speak as if insane i more so and far more labors far more imprisonments and beatings without number Frequent danger of death. Five times I received from the Jews 40 lashes, less than one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I've spent in the deep. I've been on frequent journeys and dangers from rivers, dangers from robbers, dangers from my countrymen, dangers from the Gentiles, dangers in the city. Dangers in desolate places, dangers on the sea, dangers among false brethren. I've been in labor and hardship, many sleepless nights, in starvation and thirst, often hungry, in cold and without enough clothing. <laughs> now, most of us reading that and seeing that description, like, well, oh, that's not an abundant life. Yes, it is an abundant life. Hmm. It is absolutely an abundant life because Paul was glorifying Christ through his suffering hmm. in how he carried himself and how he spoke well of Christ. He never, he never blamed God for his suffering. He never turned against God. He never spoke ill of God because of his suffering. No, he glorified Christ in his suffering. And, and sometimes Christ is most honored and most glorified in our lives, not when things are going well, but when we suffer. And yet, through the suffering, through the sickness, through the disease, through the Mm -hmm. persecution, through the hardship, through the alienation of affection from our family members, if it it comes to that because of our faith in Christ, through all of these things, we speak well of Christ, and we honor Him, and Christ is glorified through that, through our suffering. And that is really, Nathaniel, that should be our highest goals as, as Christians. Uh, not to accumulate things here on earth and have a comfortable life. And I'm not against people having things. That's not the point. But our, our goal as a Christian should be to honor Christ and glorify Christ and speak well of him in whatever situation in which we find ourselves, whether it's in times of plenty or in times of want.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I'm reminded of, you know, the disciples in Acts chapter five, right? They make an incredible statement. They've been brought in, um, you know, uh, and basically uh, they tell them, you know, to leave them alone if they're not of God, then you know they'll uh, they'll fade away basically, yeah. and and they they whip them right, and then they send them out, and then the disciples, it says in uh, Acts five forty one, it says so they went on their way from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they had been considered worthy to suffer shame for His name being Christ. I, I mean that that is. Everything about that statement is so very opposite to Western Christianity. They went away. So, they, so they're beaten, right? And, and that would not yeah. have been a very pleasant thing. I mean, I mean, think it wasn't just like a, la- a light slap on the wrist. So they're beaten and they walk away rejoicing that they were yeah. counted worthy to be beaten for the sake of Christ.
1: That's right. That's yeah. right. That's that. that- that truth would be absolutely incomprehensible to the vast majority of professing Christians today. The vast majority of them that would that would not make any sense to them anymore. It would make sense if you threw threw a sledgehammer up in the air and you expected it to float. You know, yeah. they would be more mystified at that text than they would if they saw you know a floating sledgehammer in midair. So yeah,
0: yeah, and and so I think it, you know if guys are listening, like okay, well, I mean, what what do we do with this? W- what we're not saying, and maybe it would be good to say what we're not saying. What we're not saying is that you should go looking for troubles and persecution. They're going to come. Uh, you're That's promised right. if you're pursuing gonna- a godly life, and you read that earlier, right, from Second Timothy. Uh, if you're living a godly life in Christ Jesus, you're going to experience. Uh, persecution, right? And persecution in the American context looks different than persecution in Saudi Arabia or you know northern Africa, mm-hmm. but it's persecution nonetheless. Um, and, yeah. and so if guys are looking at this and they're like, okay, well i I haven't really thought that way. Yeah. Uh, I see it in scripture. what what do i what do I do about that? Um, I haven't suffered well. I don't want to suffer, right? I mean, these are real thoughts. It, it, what do you tell someone? Um, that says, I, I see that, and I want to be faithful, and I want to suffer well. Um, well what, do I, what do I do with these things?
1: Well, I would, I would say one thing. The, the first thing I would say is this, is that suffering is not enjoyable. We're not saying, you're not saying, and I'm not saying, that when you suffer, you enjoy it. Yeah. Uh, Peter and the apostles didn't enjoy it when they were being beaten. Paul did not enjoy the hardships he went through. So, in, um, in James chapter 1, 2 through 4, when James says, count it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance, and let endurance have its perfect result, so that you'll be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. When, when James says that, um, when he says, count it all joy, he's not saying, enjoy your trials. Trials are not enjoyable, That's why they're called trials. (laughs) Yeah. If if we were enjoyable, then they wouldn't be trials. And by definition, a trial is not enjoyable. So I I don't want people to fall into this hyper spiritual trap in which um, if they're going through a trial, if they're going through some suffering, you know, and and they're not enjoying it, then they think they may think that something is wrong with them. No, you're not supposed to enjoy it. It's not fun. My um my cerebral palsy. It's not a cross, but it is a trial. You know, do I enjoy my cerebral palsy? Well, well, no. I mean, there's there's days I wish I I wasn't crippled. There's days I you know I wish it didn't take me so long to get ready in the morning, and I could you know I I wish I had a better sense of balance in what I do, and you know things like that. So it it's not enjoyable. It's not fun, but I can count it as joy. Knowing that God's grace is sufficient for this trial and every trial, no matter what it is, I can count it as joy knowing that he is with me. I can count it as joy knowing that this trial or whatever trial it is, um, is for my betterment. It is for my sanctification. I can take joy in that. Hmm. So I can take joy in my cerebral palsy, even though it's not enjoyable if that makes
0: sense. Yeah. And I mean, I would even argue that if you are enjoying difficulties in trials, that, that that's, that's creepy. It's weird. And, it, you know, that's <laughs> yeah. a whole different, I, I mean, really. And so I'm, it, you make a good point, but you said something very interesting, brother. You said that your trials are for your sanctification. And, and, and I think, I, I think this is an important part of understanding how to rightly view Trials, And I'll give you a a good example. A a good example um, of how people avoid trials in in even within the church today is how frequently people run to the the psychiatric field for medications. Um, I I mean, Americans just American Christians just want to medicate everything away. I don't want to deal with my emotions. I don't want to, in many cases, deal with my sin. That I'm experiencing consequences with. Sometimes, um, you know, it's other things, but I just don't want to suffer for any reason in any way. Let me medicate myself. Well, Charles Spurgeon yep. made a really uh, a, 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 he made a really impactful statement. He said this about sickness. He said, "I venture to say that the greatest earthly blessing that God can give to any of us is health, with the exception." of sickness. Yeah. Sickness has frequently been of more use to the saints of God than health has. What a
1: statement. Amen. Amen. Yeah, indeed. What a statement. And and uh, Spurgeon also said, I am certain that I never did grow in grace one half so much anywhere as I have upon the bed of pain. Yeah. So, yeah. There is an experiential learning of God that, that comes about in times of suffering that simply just it, it, it cannot be duplicated in times of want and I mean, excuse me, times of plenty and comfort. Yeah. It can't be. Um, in, in fact, David in Psalm 119, verse, I think it's verse 71, but Psalm 119, 71, David said, It was good for me that I was afflicted that I might learn your statutes.
0: Mm. Yeah.
1: It was good for me that I was afflicted so that I might learn your statutes. That, you know, put that verse in your prosperity pipe and smoke it. Put that (laughs) verse in your, your best life now and pipe and smoke it. So, It's not that the affliction in and of itself is good. Like my cerebral palsy or someone who's listening to us, your cancer, your arthritis, you're losing your job in and of itself, in and of themselves, these things are not inherently good because they're a, a result of living in a fallen world. But it is good for us that we experience them because in those things, we learn more of Christ. Yeah, and yeah. and trials force us to lean on the sovereignty of God in ways that we simply would not lean when everything's sunshine and lollipops
0: yeah if you listen to uh I, this just came to my mind if you listen to Joni Erickson Tata's uh, testimony it, this is exactly what you hear right um her 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 cond- her physical condition um, she would say and i've heard her say that that has been what has drawn her closer to god and this was charles spurgeon's point right i mean he he says sickness is of greater benefit than health because for the believer the one who truly loves god seeking after god desires to to be holy um you know these things that are out of our control we can't just take a tylenol um it forces us to look to god and to trust God, and to lean on God for strength and for all those things, and that's what God wants for us. And if it mm-hmm. takes sickness, or if it takes suffering to do that, then really and truly, we should embrace it as, as an aid and as a friend more than an enemy in that way, right? Yes. And, and so, you know, maybe it's good to not take your Tylenol and suffer through a headache Every now and then. I'm not saying you have to do that. But in in our culture, we become so um, opposed to any kind of suffering that um, now, you know, when I get a headache, I take a Tylenol generally. Uh, Sometimes I don't. Um, But uh, the the point is not to arrange our lives in such a way where everything is, you know, easy all the time, where we miss out everything. And the other problem is is our culture, because it's that way. Uh, and you see this all the time because of your ministry. Um, then we start thinking that sickness is actually from and of the devil, right yeah. um, and, and and if you take that view, well, number one, you'll find yourself fighting against the sovereignty of God, right? Number two, yeah. number two, you'll be fighting against the sanctification that you should be experiencing. Um, yeah. I, I think of the was it was it the blind man, right? Um, who the disciples are trying to figure out why is he blind? Was it because of his sin? Was it because of his parents' sin? And well, what, what was the reason he was blind? Was it was because Satan made him blind, right? No, right? No. God made him blind for right. his own glory. So right?
1: that the power of God may be displayed in him. Yeah. yeah. It, was neither this man's, it was neither that this man's sin nor his parents, but so that the power of God, the works of God may be, manifested in him. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, uh, Nathaniel, before I forget about it, to your point cuz you, you we touched on it and I, I think then we started we chased a little bit of a rabbit, but you're talking about how so many Americans are medicated.
0: Mm-hmm. You know, they're
1: yeah. not talking about yeah, you know, high blood pressure medication, but but medication for anxiety, medication for depression, you know, they're they're so Medicated, I know this is a, a touchy subject with a lot of people because there's so many so many um, Christians who are on some of these drugs you know i'm I'm constrained by scripture uh, I, I I think uh, I'm not a doctor, but I think that a lot of these drugs do far far more harm than good um, People get way over Uh Second Corinthians chapter one, three through five. This is a text that I think people who are if they if they feel depressed or if they feel anxiety, and their first inclination is to go run to a pill, read second Corinthians one, three through five. Paul writes Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction, so that we will be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. Mm -hmm. That's a powerful verse, or a couple of verses. Yeah, That's a powerful text. Paul calls God the Father of mercies and the god of all comfort not some comfort not most comfort all comfort who comforts us in all our affliction all of them yeah it's it's what it's what jesus told paul in 2 corinthians 12 and paul prayed for the removal of his thorn in the flesh which by the way uh i don't believe was a physical ailment I think his thorn in the flesh was symbolic of false teachers, symbolic of uh, people who opposed him in Corinth and were trying to undermine his apostolic authority, and uh, were speaking ill of him, and were turning the Corinthians away from Paul. And it troubled Paul greatly, vexed him greatly. Yeah, And, and Paul asked Christ three times that this thorn might be removed, and Jesus did not remove it. Instead, he said, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in your weakness. Yeah, my absolutely. Grace. So, mm. yeah, God is the God of all comfort. He comforts us as believers in all of our affliction, not some of them, not even most, all of them. That is a powerful, powerful text.
0: Yeah, and you, you know what the, the Greek word for all there is? Uh, it's all. All.
1: <laughs> yeah, and
0: you know, if you guys are listening, we we Eki and I have done a podcast previously on depression, and anxiety, how to deal with those things. Eki's um, you know ACBC certified, um, and I'm actually in the middle of mine at the moment. And here, here's the reality: the reality is, um, you know, we're talking about things like depression and anxiety, and um, y- anytime you bring this up, you you have to Just for some people's sake, make the statement that we're not talking about things like, you know, insulin. If you're diabetic, we're not saying that the Word of God is sufficient for your diabetes. Okay, so now we've got that out of the way. Um, But just if you, well, there you know, there's a lot of problems. I mean, one is what if, um, what if God wants you to suffer through a melancholy temperament? Because Charles Spurgeon certainly was melancholy, Um, you know, and if you if you read Charles Spurgeon and if you don't, you should look how often Spurgeon um, has to rely on Christ because of of his melancholy personality. And and I mean, he makes statements like this, like we've read already all the time. And so he did not see it. Um, as unnecessary suffering. He saw it as something that drove him to the cross day after day after day after day. Um, So, what if it's God's design that you suffer through that, and that is the thing that constantly keeps your eyes on Christ? Are you content knowing that you're medicating yourself and you're walking, uh, you know, you're missing that opportunity? I mean, another thing is, um, when we're talking about depression and things like that, I mean, you're effectively saying the Bible is not sufficient, and so I need to go to the godless world who denies the existence of God, doesn't understand the creation and mind of man, and, and do what they say. Yeah. Right? I mean, that's, that's a huge issue as well. And, you know, oftentimes, not always, but oftentimes, um, d- depression and things like that are results of our own sin, and again, because we don't have a high value for personal holiness, because we don't have a high value for sanctification, we don't like to address our sin. Look right. at David, right? David, um, you know, has an affair with Bathsheba. Uh, we all know that whole story. He murders her husband to cover it up, and David is in this big depression. Um, his child's died, or you know, was six dying. I mean, that, just read that whole thing and see the deep depression David ends up in. Um, that's all a result of his own sin, and he's not the only one, right? Um, and outside of that issue, what do people think the psalmist did, right? If you read through the book of Psalms, you just just read through, pick anyone. It doesn't really matter. Um, by, before you get through three, you're going to find uh, today – If modern day, you know, psychologists were to read through those, uh, I mean, they'd be writing everybody prescriptions, you know, I I don't know how many medications (laughs) David would have been given, Um, you know, oftentimes depressed, oftentimes, you know, Lord, where are you? My enemies are pressing down on me. Uh, My soul is weary, just all these things. And in each and every one, the, the ending is the same where does the psalmist find comfort where does the psalmist find healing where does the psalmist find help in the lord yeah right right. and that's the christian's design should be uh the the christian's desire is to not first go to the world should be first to go to god right um and again we're not saying we're not doctors we're not saying don't go to doctors um you know there are lots of physical conditions that uh produce symptoms that look like depression and things like that so by all means um you know if you need to go to a doctor go to a doctor but what we are saying is or at least what i'm saying and i'm quite happy to say it is just stop trying to medicate all your troubles away (laughs) right lean on god um and and embrace those things that cause us to cry out to god those are good things uh, when that's what it causes
1: and absolutely absolutely and as you rightly pointed out Charles Spurgeon a man whom we all revere and appreciate and have learned from um, he was he was melancholy he was depressed even to use that word and um, he found his comfort in Christ in fact let me read this other text um, Nathaniel Second Corinthians Second Corinthians chapter four, eight through ten, Paul says, We were afflicted in every way, but not crushed, mm-hmm. perplexed, but not despairing, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying about in the body the dying of Jesus so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our bodies. So, when you read this, Paul, the the trials that Paul went through were so severe. He says that we were afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed. He was confused, but he didn't despair. He was persecuted. But in his persecution, he says, but not forsaken. He knew he wasn't forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. So, these these trials were so acute, so heavy on him, that it's like he got right up to the brink of breaking, hmm. right up to the brink, but he didn't. God's grace was sufficient. They were severe trials, and I dare say more severe than anything than you have experienced and I have experienced and that any of our listeners have experienced. When you think about what Paul went through, it wasn't only the physical Trials, but he also he said I, I, I on top of all these things, I have concern for the daily concern for the churches yeah. he was he had spiritual concern in fact, in second Corinthians chapter seven, Paul says this, for even beginning of verse five, for even when we came into Macedonia, our flesh had no rest, but we were afflicted on every side, conflicts without fears within, mm-hmm. but God, those two powerful words, but God who comforts the depressed comforted us by the coming of titus but god who comforts the depressed paul even referred to himself as depressed yeah wow so i mean this is the man who wrote romans and first and second corinthians and galatians ephesians philippians this was the apostle paul and his trials were so so severe that he got to the point of depression but he said, God comforts us in all of that. Yeah. He's the yeah. God of all comfort. So whatever, whatever we have experienced, whatever any of our listeners right now have experienced, and we don't doubt that they are severe, we don't doubt that they're real trials. But what I would say is they're not more severe than what Paul went through. And Paul, for Paul, God's grace was sufficient. Yeah. God comforts comforted him even when he was depressed. He's the God of all comfort. He's, he's, he's sufficient. He's everything that we need.
0: I mean, that's pretty powerful. You think about Paul. So, there are 27 books in the New Testament. Paul wrote 13 of them, 14 if you give him Hebrews. So, almost half of the New Testament is written by Paul. And he, on more than one occasion, talks about these things, his sufferings. And you, you look at Paul's life, and what's very interesting is – you, you see Paul rejoicing in the sufferings. Um, you, you see Paul not denying that he has fears, that he's depressed, but in the midst yeah. of that, you see Paul um, desperately clinging to Christ. And, I, I mean, what an example. I mean, here's a guy who he knows he's going to suffer for the sake of Christ, right? He says if he was still trying to please men, then he wouldn't be a slave of Christ. So he knows that's part of the deal. Um, and yeah. so, so he knows that. He's suffering. He acknowledges that. And then he says, this is the very thing that uh, I rejoice in, that I lean on Christ for. I mean, it's an incredible example. Um, beyond Paul, look at the sufferings of Christ. Yeah. We certainly have not suffered what christ suffered and and far and far worse christ is the only man that's ever living uh who's ever lived who didn't deserve any of his suffering right both truly man truly god fully man fully god yet and perfect in every way and his suffering was on our behalf right and you read the account of how christ was treated um, how he was beaten how he was bruised how he was and and then and then the weight of sin that he bore for us on the cross right mm-hmm. you see that and we certainly have not suffered more than christ and then you have christ beckoning us to pick up our cross and follow him denying ourself so there is every expectation for the true christian to not just have to deal with suffering but even to embrace it for the sake of christ and when it's not because we're preaching the gospel or living a holy life when it's just because we live in a fallen world then it's still meant to cause us to rely on christ in such a way that that struggle that what that hardship whatever that is effectively works for our good and that's god's plan and that's that's included right when we're told that all things work together for those who he's called i suffering is most certainly part of that because we live in a fallen world and so i think we can do two things right we can look at suffering um as you know that's kind of just the devil doing that which is a faulty understanding of the fact that you know god is in control of these things look at job for instance Right, uh, God managed that whole thing. That wasn't Satan doing what what he wanted to do. Um, yeah. That was all under the administration of God, and 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 our life is too, right? And so when we embrace those things and it causes us to drop to our knees and trust God, ultimately we should be able to say with Paul, right in Second Corinthians, which you read for, for momentarily this this light affliction is producing an eternal weight, the glory far beyond comparison um i you know i've heard you say uh, uh, several times recently in fact um yeah. something something to the effect uh, it, uh something to the effect of if you have to live with cerebral palsy your whole life that's fine you have all of eternity to live without it right yeah that right. It, you know and i so appreciate that perspective because that is really a a, a biblical perspective on their suffering here um you know, l- look at Job. Read the book of Job. I mean, he suffered, right? And 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 why he suffered aside, um, Job lost. Uh, I mean, he was the wealthiest man in the land. He lost his wealth. He lost his family, right? Even even harder than his wealth, he lost his family, and he loses all that in such a way where it just compounds, right? One one herdsman comes and tell him tells him that he lost all of this. Another comes and servant and says that you've lost all this and it's just like you know one right after the other right after the other and and what's job's response job's response is not to curse god right Mm -hmm. yeah yeah and 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 he cries out to god and of course he goes through what he goes through and yeah there's going to be weeping and hardship in the midst of uh, some suffering and all that's fine the, the point is, what do we do with it? Or do we just try to medicate it away? Do we ignore it? Or, you know, do we, like, crawl, like, like Paul, um, you know, consider those things to be things that should draw us nearer to Christ?
1: Yeah, that's right. That's right. They do. They do draw us nearer to Christ. And uh, the, 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 the more we realize our own frailty and how weak we are, the more readily and the more eagerly we will lean upon Christ. Um, It's been said that spiritual growth is a growth downward. It is only when we have a lower view of ourselves that we will have a higher view of God. The -hmm. the, the higher view we have of God, uh, the higher view we have of ourselves, rather, the lower view we will have of God. And and so, there's nothing like a good trial. There's nothing like a a good dose of persecution or suffering that will make us realize more quickly and just how frail we really are. And so, that is part of our sanctification. It is it is part of of keeping us humble, of making us not depend on ourselves, but to look to Christ. It's part of our sanctification. You cannot be sanctified apart from suffering. You cannot. Be sanctified apart from suffering. If, mm-hmm. if you don't suffer and you don't recognize suffering for what it is, then you're not going to grow in your sanctification. You're just not. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but the, 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 you know, I don't want people to listen to this and, and think it's a like a, a downer of a show. You know, we're talking about suffering and how we should suffer and must suffer and will suffer. And, but the glory of it, the beauty in this is that is that we learn more of Christ. We do grow in holiness through our suffering. And, and as Christians, we have every confidence that no matter how severe our suffering is, we don't go through the suffering alone. Yeah. We're never alone. Even if everyone abandons us, even if, even if our family, our friends abandon us, Christ will not he will not abandon us. He will never leave us. He will never forsake us. I want to read, um, I hope this will be an encouragement to people, this verse of Scripture, First Peter chapter 5, verse 7, First Peter 5, 7, the apostle Peter says, therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God so that he may exalt you at the proper time, casting all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. You, we cast all of our anxiety on him, not some of it, not most of it, all of it. Cast it on him. Why can we do that? Because he cares for us. And, and Nathaniel, that phrase in the Greek, because he cares for you, it's an interesting phrase. The, the most literal rendering of that phrase from the Greek is, is this. It matters to him about you. It matters to him about you. Think about that. Mm. This great God who spoke the universe into existence, who upholds all things by the word of his power, trillions of galaxies with hundreds of billions of stars each, he upholds all of this by the word of his power. This great God, it says, it matters to him about you so whatever trial my dear brother my dear sister in Christ who is listening whatever trial you're going through whatever whatever form of suffering that uh, you are experiencing right now know this it matters to him about you that is a that is an amazing verse that's a what a comfort that is to us as Christians. It matters to Him about us. Salem, Salem. Yeah, thank you for that, brother.
0: It, it, you know, it's it is interesting, and and maybe we'll we'll end here. And with that, I was just thinking as you were saying that. Imagine how many Christians miss the 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 love of God. Because instead of casting their anxieties on him, they go to the world to try to deal with it. Yeah, mm-hmm. right. I mean, I, just think about that. we We've got to go through these sufferings, and God's desire is that you bring those to him. And in that, your faith is built. God responds to that. We're sanctified in that. and our you know, and our relationship with God is deepened. And because we have a poor theology of suffering, so many Christians actually miss out on the very thing they would want, because rather than casting their cares and their anxieties on God, they skip that and they try to go to the world to do that. And the world can never comfort like God can comfort. The world can't forgive uh, the way God forgives. The, The world can't... Love like God loves, and so you know. Just to reiterate, we're not talking about going out and seeking suffering, but if we have a right understanding of it, and and like Paul, we can say, look, we can consider our suffering here on earth not even worthy to be compared to what God has planned for us in all of eternity, and because He loves us, when we do suffer, we don't need to run to the world. We can run to our creator and he responds to that i I mean that that should be an incredibly encouraging verse for all of us well uh, brother i really appreciate you coming on the show today is there anything else you want to you want to add to that as we wrap up here
1: well um i want to thank everyone for listening i want to express my appreciation to you nathaniel i appreciate your work that you're doing here um in, in Homer, um, I so appreciate all of our faithful shepherds out there. So um, I want everyone to hear that And So thank you. And, and to everyone listening, um, yeah, just lean hard on Christ. Don't enjoy your trials. They're not enjoyable, but you can have joy through them. And you have the word of God. You are indwelt by the Holy Spirit. You're thoroughly equipped unto every good work. You have the fellowship of the saints. You have your brothers and sisters in Christ. Uh, we're to bear one another's burdens. So nothing wrong, by the way, maybe we should say that nothing wrong with going to fellow brothers and sisters in Christ and pouring your heart out to them yep. and tell them what you're going through and, and asking them for prayer, asking them for advice, asking them for, you know, counsel, and and, and they will get where to bear one another's burdens. So, we have everything we need, the Word of God, and dwelt by the Holy Spirit, the fellowship of the saints. So we're, we're well equipped to, to handle these trials when they come.
0: Amen. Well, thank you guys for joining us today. We really appreciate you. Hope that this has been helpful to you. And until next time, let the truth be known.